0: Welcome to Since You Asked with Jim Barrier on the Cross-Global Media Radio Network. Send Jim your questions about the Bible and Christianity to jim at cgmradio.com. Subscribe to Since You Asked by visiting us online at cgmradio.com slash ask. And now, here's your host, Jim Barrier. We have been looking at difficult sayings in the Bible. Today we will explore the Old Testament. Let's begin in Genesis. After the fall of Adam and Eve, God is doling out punishment, and he says to Eve, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you shall deliver children. Yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Someone once asked a friend of mine who had children, of her own, what childbirth would be like if Adam and Eve had not sinned. Her answer was genius. It would be the same, she said, but without pain. The whole process of conception, gestation, and childbirth is one of the grandest of God's miracles. He even chose Mary to experience it in order to bring the Messiah to save the world. The next part of the verse is more complicated. Your desire will be for your husband. In over 3,000 hours of counseling couples, the vast majority of husbands wished that their wives had more desire for them. The word desire has been construed to mean sexual desire, but that is not what the word implies. It is literally, to turn to. The Hebrew reads, you are turning to your husband, inferring, away from God. The phrase, and he shall rule over you, has also been misused. Many have used this line to justify men having absolute control over their wives. Remember, this is part of the curse. Husbands abusing their role over their wives is not the design intended by the Creator. Paul taught, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, and Christ is not a control freak. Cain had relations with his wife, and she conceived and gave birth to Enoch. Where did he find a wife? Well, hold on to your seat. Genesis 5 records that Adam had other sons and daughters. Cain married his sister. I'll bet Seth did too. Skeptics love to accuse Cain of incest. There are two reasons that is a false accusation. First, Mosaic Law was a long way down the road. Second, the gene pool was not yet diluted. People lived for centuries. Methuselah held the record at 969 years. Before the global aquatic catastrophe, that is, Noah's flood, there were likely no harmful ultraviolet rays. Everybody ate organic food. They were obviously healthier then. The risks involving marrying a sibling were just not there. Next, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Exodus says this more than once, but far more times it says, Pharaoh hardened his own heart against the Lord. There are three different words translated harden in Exodus. The first two are Kesha and kbed, which mean stubborn. Exodus 7.14, the Lord says to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is stubborn or hardened. The third is chasak, which means strengthen. The idea is that he became set in his ways. His stubbornness got stronger and stronger with each plague. I believe Pharaoh could have humbled himself before the Lord and the plagues would have been rescinded like the judgment God pronounced on Nineveh. If so, Israel would still have been set free by his hand, but without all the violence and destruction. But Pharaoh remained unrepentant to the end. Psalm 136 rejoices, He overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. 1 Samuel 28 tells a troubling story. Saul disguised himself and went to the witch of Endor by night. And he said, Consult a spirit for me, please, and bring up for me the one whom I shall name for you. The woman said to him, Behold, you know what Saul has done, that he has eliminated the mediums and soothsayers from the land. Why are you setting a trap for my life? to bring about my death. So Saul swore an oath to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she screamed. And she spoke to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. But the king said to her, Do not be afraid. But what do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a divine being coming up from the earth. He said to her, How does he appear? And she said, He is an old man coming up, wrapped in a robe. Then Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. And Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul replied, I am very distressed, for the Philistines are waging war against me, and God has abandoned me and no longer answers me, either through prophets or in dreams. Therefore I have called you, so that you may let me know what I should do. Samuel said, But why ask me, since your Lord has abandoned you and has become your enemy? And the Lord has done just as he spoke through me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom from your hand and given it to your neighbor David. Just as you did not obey the Lord and did not execute his fierce wrath on Amalek, so the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Furthermore, the Lord will also hand Israel along with you over to the Philistines. So tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. Indeed, the Lord will hand the army of Israel over to the Philistines. Now this story shows how far Saul has fallen. We would say today this is wrong on so many levels. Saul used deception to secure a seance. Necromancy was forbidden. God had abandoned Saul, so he sought help elsewhere. All of this shows just how far Saul had fallen. As the story mentions, it all began when he was disobedient to God's orders concerning Amalek. Next, I have a few problems with accepting the notion that the real Samuel appeared to Saul. First, God had cut off communication with Saul. So how could a witch override him, second communication with the dead was forbidden, and the prophet would not dishonor the Lord by cooperating with this nefarious scheme. Third, Samuel would not have received homage from Saul; their relationship ended with Samuel rebuking Saul, and fourth, Samuel would have rebuked Saul. For practicing necromancy. So, if it wasn't really Samuel, who or what was it? I'm inclined to think that it was an evil spirit impersonating Samuel. Many people claim to have had encounters with loved ones who have passed away. Christian teachers almost universally attribute this to demonic activity. I believe that Saul encountered a demon who was impersonating Samuel. What is true is that Saul did meet his demise battling the Philistines. 1 Kings 22 The Lord said, Who will entice Ahab to go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? And one spirit said this, while another said that. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, How? And he said, I will go out and be a deceiving spirit in the mouths of the prophets. And then he said, You shall entice him, and you will also prevail. Go and do so. Now then, behold, the Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours, and the Lord has declared disaster against you. This seems to make God look like the author of deception. But hold on. I think this story has a couple of related episodes. Satan appeared before the Lord, and God gave him permission to test Job severely to the point where he lost everything. Was God the author of evil in Job's life? Certainly not. But he did unleash the devil to cause great harm. In another story, demons begged Jesus, saying, Send us into the pigs, so that we may enter them. Jesus gave them permission. And coming out, the unclean spirits entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. God did not harm Job, but he allowed Satan to, with restrictions. Job's friends thought God was punishing him. Even Job himself said, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. But God rebuked them all and asserted his sovereignty. Jesus answered the demon's request, not because of compassion for them or lack of compassion for the pigs, The whole story is about his compassion for the man who had been living in torture. He granted the demons permission, which of course backfired on them. God allowed the lying spirit to go to Ahab in order to fulfill Elijah's prophecy of Ahab's demise. God is sovereign, and nothing happens without his permission. By the way, this includes giving us free will, even though we often make poor choices. So we have examined some difficult sayings in the Gospels by Jesus, in the rest of the New Testament in some of the epistles, and in stories in the Old Testament. And I hope that you have learned that if you dig a little deeper, if you look at context and if you study the Bible, you will find answers. And I hope that these messages have answered some of your questions since you asked. Since You Asked is a production of Jim Barrier and Cross Global Media. Visit us online and subscribe to the show at cgmradio.com ask.